We want better schools. We want them now. Stand in our way, and you'll catch these eight black hands with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. Join us now for an hour or more of talk on education and culture. Folks, uh, welcome to another episode of the Eight Black Hands. It's actually episode 135. You should run for school board. Uh, but before we started with uh, with our episode, um, you know, we want to take a couple minutes to unpack. Haven't seen the bros in a while. Uh, been seven whole days. Um, and so want to check in with the bros to see how they're doing. If you're in the audience, uh, let us know how you're feeling. Uh, one to five, five being you're feeling amazing. Uh, one being, you know, you need some attention, right? Um, so we'll start with uh, Chris. Uh, how you doing? Um, you know, every week I say the same thing. I'm blessed. Um, you know, I have shelter, food, water, all the things that you know that you're supposed to say that you are uh, uh, grateful for in life. But uh, I also have life <laughs> and I'm here with my family. And uh, for reasons that we'll probably talk about, I don't know if now or at some point it'll it'll be obvious to people why I think you have to, you know, uh, t- be grateful every week like we are to say that we have life, shelter, water, you know, our family is intact, that sort of thing. So um, so that's it. That's not that, that's how I am right now. I'm reflective uh, in the last 24, 48 hours. There has been some changes in life. So uh, I'm really reflective. That's what's up, bro. Thanks for sharing. And, um, you know, this is a safe space, man. And I know as safe as it can be given uh, the circumstances. Um, And so, you know, we're going to try to hold each other, man, and try to try to be as positive as we can with regards to what's happening right now. Charles, checking in with you, bro. How you feeling? Uh, one of my best friends in the world was murdered two nights ago. So I, I think, um, you know what I'm saying? Like, I think I said this to Chris, I, I, I am more used to this stuff than I should be. Um, and so, you know, just processing it, man. Uh, this is like also the 11th, like person very close to me that has passed away this year. And I think, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I think it'll hit me in a different way at a different time. But, you know, uh, Dirk, I know there's a segment later. Uh, I, I, You know, I'm not going to go super in, in depth in it, man. I just I, I think a lot of times people don't understand how, how I move the way that I move. Like, well, man, why you want to do so much so fast? Why are you trying to do this? It's like, man, it is not promised that you're going to be here. I've lost a lot of people. That's not like that. I knew kind of right. Like, but that I like that. I like really, really knew. And Dirk is was like really close to me. So, um you know, I want to throw that into the work, man. I want to throw that into what I do and to actually have an impact in a way that that tragedy will be a blessing for somebody in some kind of way. So, you know, uh, you know, I think it's a lot of people that pray, pray for us and keep me in your prayers. But I mean, I'm ready to do the show and I'm ready to handle the business that we got to handle this week. Um, you know, doing the type of work that I do is my happy space, though. So I'm, I'm, I'm ready for the nice show and I'm happy for the guests we got. That's what's up, bro. So uh, a little bit about me, man. I, I just, bro, it's, it's a lot, man, because this, this, you know, Dirk touched a lot of people, um, you know, it, you know, when, when, when reflecting on, on his life, you know, 
I don't know anybody that had anything bad to say about this dude, man. This dude was amazing in terms of how he approached the work, um, how he, um, you know, cared for families, and how he represented Oakland, man. Dirk was like, Edward formed too short to Oakland, you know? And so I'm just, man, I'm just happy I was able to, you know, be in the same space with him, um, be it virtually or whatever. And, you know, I'm just, I'm, man, this is a tough one, man. This is a tough loss. Um, for this is a tough loss for the world, man. And like for me, bro, even though he wasn't as close to me as he as he was with um, you know, other people that are on the show and other people kinda, you know, that are in air reform, I'm just tired of fucking losing people, man. Like mm. people that are out here like doing the work and like I'm just tired of fucking losing people. And so tonight is not probably gonna be the best space for me because like I don't really take this shit well, right? And like I don't necessarily share my emotions probably as much as I should, but th- this one might be the one for me. This might put me over the edge. But so I'm glad you guys are kicking it with us. Um, you know today, what, Ray? You know, can we I just jump in on that for a second? Yeah. Because yeah. we will have to come back and show proper respects um, for this particular topic. I know what our topic tonight is very important, but we are talking about right now, we're still in the middle of like kind of processing. But I want to say this. I haven't graduated to being sad yet. I am angry right now um, at the brilliance that is lost, the, the, the good heart, the good naturedness, the devotion, the commitment to our people. We didn't lose. We have to stop saying we lost people like we lost them, lost them. Someone took somebody who was very important to the world. And uh, I get that I'm sick of losing people. I'm sick of losing people to like disease and to, to things that, you know, are na- acts of nature. I'm sick of people taking people through acts of violence that are very important to the world, important to our, our progress and our struggle. Uh, we didn't just lose a person uh, uh, in this situation. We lost like a warrior, a soldier for the thing that we know really matters Uh, which is our children, someone who's going to be smart and analytical and strategic and committed and show up all the time and dedicated daily to one thing, which is the success of our young people. And somebody took that. And that's some bullshit. But that's all I'm going to say now. I'm I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt the show, but... We, we well, should come back to this at some point. Yeah, we, we will absolutely come back to this, man. We will definitely spend uh, the the, uh, the majority of our time here trying to unpack this. But yeah, I mean, like what you're saying is is, is totally on point, bro. Um, this shit is tired, man. Um, but yo, let's 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 bring in our guests. Uh, we got two uh, we got two school board candidates um, that are coming on tonight to kick it with us. And one thing I want to say about the hands in, in terms of uh, when school board candidates come on our show, they win, right? Every candidate that we brought on our show that has run for school board has run, has won, right? We got uh, LA, um, LA Unified, she won. We got um, the homie down in Nashville, he won. Uh, we got sis down in, uh, in Memphis, uh, she won, right? So like, you guys got a, you guys got a lot of work to do in terms of like pulling out these wins, right? Mm-hmm. And so we got, um, uh, we got Jason Allen who's running for school board in uh, in in Atlanta. Jay, we're gonna give you the floor, man. Talk to us, tell the people who you are. We're not gonna do any introductions because you don't need no introduction. You can introduce yourself. Well, 
Listen, guys, I'm actually leaving our family from the National Parents Union, uh, Brother Neo, Kerry, um, and, and the gang. And, you know, we had to sit with this for a moment. Uh, this dirt, like, it, it's it's even hard to put into words. So I definitely want to start out by saying that um, I just want to honor that brother. You know, I have another um, ancestor now to add to my wall, and it's crazy because when I talk to my students about the people that I, I feature on the wall as people who have made a difference in our communities to, um, you know, galvanize us to make change. And it's just disheartening to know that um, he failed the way that he did. But I also am just reminded that everything has its purpose for a season. And, um, you know, just shout out to his family. Um, much prayers to them. We're all thinking about that family during this time um, because we all are family so this is this is a major loss but Jason Allen here in the city of Atlanta and I'm running for school board as a 17 year educator and so um, understanding the dynamics that leadership plays in the work that we do um, you know still going back to Dirk this is a major loss across um, the nation that has impacted people everywhere, and so uh, that's all I can. That's all I can say right now, just as an intro. Uh, but definitely want to send that light um, and love out to all of those who were connected to uh, Dirk and the amazing work that he was doing and encouraging all of, um, all of us to do. So I wanted to just add that. Thanks for that, bro. Appreciate that. Um, uh, uh, so we got Minnesota in the house, and so uh, I, I, I know that my guy Debeji is going to be able to give you a proper introduction, uh, Mr. Sellers. So we're going to put full screen on uh, on the citizen tonight. Now, you know what? Uh, we can jump right in. We don't need big introductions. This is Daniel Sellers, the man, the myth, the legend, uh, who is running for school board in Minnesota dec- a decade or so after. I have been pushing and prodding for everybody to run, including him. He has actually thrown his ring in the hat uh, or his hat in the ring. (laughs) Uh, uh, But Daniel has a long background in fighting the good fight in many different capacities as an educator, uh, as a uh, an organizer, as a person who has run multiple nonprofits, specifically bird dogging lawmakers and people who make decisions on behalf of kids to do right by them. Uh, he's done everything from the reporting to the public, the um, the building of research so that the public could have like a community data trust of information to be able to work with and act with to uh, doing it from the side of philanthropy. Also, so he is a well-rounded candidate that's ready to go, and uh, I'm glad we we have someone from Minnesota because it gets lonely sometimes on the show being the only one from Minnesota, being from the north. So there you go, Daniel. Tell him more about why you're running. What's your why, man? I mean, I mean, first of all, I'll just say I said this on Twitter, but, you know, longtime listener, um, first time guest. It's an honor to be on the show uh, for real. Uh, and, and you might even call me a groupie, eight black, eight black hands groupie. Um, I've been following you guys for so long. I'm thrilled to be here. Um, first of all, Jason, it's it's also an honor to meet you and be on the show with you. I wish you. Um, the very best luck of in, in the next, you know, four and a half weeks, we got a lot of work to do and we're going to get it done. Um, and then before I jump in, I, I, I do have to say, um, you know, I never met Dirk, but I learned a ton from him. Um, you know, he, he, 
you know, we, all of us stand on the shoulders of people like him who have um, put themselves out there, who have gone so much farther than even what I would consider myself um, uh, having done and being an advocate and being a voice for parents and families. Um, and I, I was just heartbroken to hear that news. So I, 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 I would be remiss not to say that. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're like, I'm, I'm out, I'm out in the um, twin city suburbs. Um, we're going to get in. I hope we'll jump into this. Um, but this is where the real, this is where the real work is being done in some ways. I grew, I'm, I grew, I was born and raised in South Minneapolis. Um, I'm a city kid, but I moved out to the suburbs and I actually think that the battle for, uh, the battle for equity, the battle for, um, how education is done in the next 10 to 15 years and how it's assessed, um, all, all that's going to take place in the suburbs. And so I'm, I'm super excited, um, to be running, to be representing, um, uh, families that don't have a voice and hopefully to, to have a seat at the school board table to empower those, um, that, you know, th those that need uh, representation. Uh, and I'm looking forward to talking more about that tonight. That's what's up, bro. Thanks for, um, thanks for, for, for the intros. And so, we're going to throw it to someone that has run for school board and actually won, right? Because he's going to set this up for us. So, Chris, we're talking about like, bro, what, what campaign strategy and like what should people be thinking about when they're running for school board? I can, we can't hear you. You're on mute. Can you hear me now? <laughs> All yeah, right. I can hear you, yeah. I'm saying all kinds of profound stuff again, brother. See, this is what happens. Uh, you know, listen, anytime. So first of all, I think it's a big uh, it's a big endeavor for people to show up and say that they want to run for school board. They want to serve in this way. I think there's lots of ways you can serve your country. You can go to the military. You can do uh, jury duty. You can be a court monitor. Um, but the most direct, uh, uh, most direct access to our democracy that you have is to show up for school board service. Uh, so whenever somebody says that they want to do it, I'm always hoping, number one, that you're not doing it because you see it as a stepping stone to something else because our children are not stepping stones. Our children are children. Um, but I would wonder, this is like I just asked uh, um, uh, Daniel, your why. I think when you run, you have to know very clearly your why. You have to know what it is that you think you can get accomplished on the board that makes you special enough to run. Like, what is it? What are the concrete things that you would like to see changed and what would you work on? So I would ask both of uh, both Daniel and, and uh, uh, Jason kind of explain your why and your specific uh, things that you think you could do to make the to make life different for kids in the district where you're running. What is it that you can work on specifically? So, all right, so we'll, we'll start off with Jason. Jason, what's up, man? What's your why? Listen, I, I would have to go here and say, as a 17-year educator and knowing how a system should be ran and what questions the school board members should be asking of the superintendent, it would be on accountability. Atlanta has had eight years to really correct what has happened after the looming cheating scandal in our city. And the current board has had eight years, two superintendents that they have now hired, and we still had the same issues with failing schools. And as educators, we know this, schools are not failing. We are failing the leadership, we're failing the teachers, we're failing the students, and ultimately we're failing the communities that are investing their tax dollars into these school systems and 
voting in board members to hold the money accountable to where it should be going, which is for resources that are directly impacting the outcomes of students. And that's not happening still in Atlanta. And in talking with my students and talking with parents and talking with fellow teachers, it's the same story. We don't have the bandwidth. We're not getting the resources. When we think about reopening schools and the lack of, of accountability with this school board, they have blamed the illnesses increasing in our schools on everyone but the actions that they go and vote on, and that's important, right? When you understand school governance and what needs to happen, when we have $903 million and we still have schools that don't have masks and we have masks sitting in warehouse and we warehouses, excuse me, and we have spent monies and dollars mm. on this. And so that's just one example of something small, common sense. You have the policies already in place, but there's no follow-up. The superintendent isn't being held accountable to making sure that, hey, we're not just saying that we mandated masks. We're actually going to make sure that resources such as testing, such as making sure that we know that students that have severe health conditions, this information is updated in school. So we're actually doing the true work around this instead of just saying that we spent these dollars. Here you go. And a lot of times we miss the fact that, yes, we want to improve schools. We want to see student achievement change, we have to think about where are the dollars going and what are we spending it on? And so, yes, accountability as an educator is something that is vitally important. It's something that's achievable. It's just not being done right. We don't have the right mixture of board members to get it done, in my perspective, for a city of Atlanta. That's what's up, bro. Thanks for sharing that, man. Um, Daniel, jump in here, man. You're why. Yeah, I mean, I, let me first say, um, Chris, to your question, um, I'm not. I, I mean, I'm not running for anything after this, I, and that's for real. Like this, this, this is it for me. Um, you know, I, I know it's not just that I believe. I, I know every student can succeed when given the opportunity, and we are not providing an education that we can be proud of to every kid. Um, and so, you know, part of, you know, part of the work is that, you know, that like, kind of like Jason said, I feel like my career has led me here. I have, I I've been working, I've, I'm a former teacher. I've been working in policy. I've been working in the advocacy. I've been partnering with communities and now I'm getting to the point where I feel like I've got to do more. And so stepping onto the school board is like, number one, I'm not running because, you know, I, I'm just going to say some of some of those folks that I'm running against are running because, you know, they want to serve their community or they want to give back. Those aren't the reasons I'm running. I'm running because I want to ensure that every single student, every single student that lives in this community gets access to an excellent education. That's number one. And then number two, I'm going to be clear in the last couple of years. And, and I really do hope we talk about this. I. I have witnessed in a number of suburbs around the Twin Cities, this idea, which I'm going to call, I don't have a better word for it, faux equity. And faux equity, I'll give you a couple examples. So in, uh, in uh, Bloomington, which is a suburb south of Minneapolis, they've gotten rid of um, field trips altogether. No more field trips because their idea is if some kids can't afford, afford a field trip, then nobody gets to go on a field trip. And we do that in the name of equity. And then in White Bear Lake, 
which is a suburb, a northern suburb of St. Paul. No more F's. You cannot get an F if you're in middle school or in high school. Um, if you don't, if you do not submit a single assignment, if you don't show up for class, it doesn't matter. You don't get an F. And that's what, what that's what I call faux equity. That's not equity. Equity is not um, giving everybody a participation award. Equity is not getting rid of opportunities for families for those that otherwise might have it. And, uh, and, 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 and I'm running for school board to ensure number one, that every single kid that is in my district gets opportunities to have a rigorous, high quality, academically engaging education. And number two, that when we talk about equity, we're not talking about just getting rid of opportunity. We're talking about expanding opportunity. We're talking about giving those that don't have it the chance to succeed. Mm. And that's why I'm running for school board. That's what's up, bro. Thanks for sharing that. Um, Charles, man. So lead, lead us into the next segment, sir. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Again, God bless you, brothers. Uh, that's that's yeoman's work. I would you you couldn't pay me enough. <laughs> I would never. That's ever a lie. Do that's a lie. You couldn't. You couldn't. I, listen, there's I'm, a, I'm there's an amount we could pay you to do anything. Come on, nah, I'm good. Man. Listen, I, I'm, I'm in. I'm on a board already for for a hospital system, which is a lot more money and it's complicated. And I I, I don't want to sniff school board. But one of the things that I do look forward to with school board members, and it's going to go into this piece, is that they get a real education when they jump on that board, right? Like when they think about what their power is versus what their power actually is. Like you know what I'm saying? Like it's a lot of board members that think they can direct staff, and you can't do that. My question and what I like for most board members is when they actually start learning the system and they educate their constituents about how things work. And I always start with outcomes. What are the outcomes for black and brown kids in the areas that you all are running for? Uh, like I, we really need to sound this, uh, this blue, this blue light, like the alarm. Um, I don't, I don't know your places. I haven't, I haven't dove, dove into your data, but I feel like I can guess with a decent level of accuracy, how it's going for black and brown kids. But uh, let's go in reverse order. Daniel, how's it going um, for black and brown kids in, in, in the district that you're running for? Yeah, so I'm so where I'm running, uh, Wyzetta School District is uh, it was just ranked um, the number two district in the state of Minnesota. And I, I, I would believe it's in the top 50 in the whole country. And it's something that we rely on. We're proud of it. We um, we talk about our excellence and we don't want. Uh, we don't want anything to tarnish that reputation. And that includes things like opportunity and achievement gaps, which we will sweep under the rug before we will ever acknowledge. Hmm. So um, it's a great question, Charles. I, I actually don't have the numbers. I should know them off the top of my head. But what I can tell you is that black and brown kids are not achieving at the same level as white kids in this district. And it's something we don't want to talk about. And it's something we don't want to acknowledge. And I, 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 I both will never back down from it, nor from the day I get on the board will I stop talking about it until until we do something about it. Um, the last thing I'm just going to quickly say is um, there's no reason why we have it, it, there, or I should say this. Um, we shouldn't have the gaps. But I'm not surprised that we do. Right. Like just like you said, Charles, like you could almost predict it. Um, we, we still in YZ schools, we still teach something called balanced literacy. We still teach something called whole language. When we know when science has shown us for 25 years that kids learn to lead, 
uh, learn to read by phonemic awareness, by recognizing letter uh, letter sounds. And we still we we don't actually teach the way that we know science uh, um, will actually lead our kids to learn to read. And and so um, it's shocking. It's frustrating. It's disappointing. And there there's work to do. Got you. And it wasn't a gotcha for you, Daniel. It's okay if you didn't know the exact numbers. I just wanted to get a ballpark, and I think you did a good job on that. And same for you, Jason. Uh, I am a little bit more familiar with Atlanta schools. Um, I I love Atlanta. I consider it like a third home, spend a lot of time out there. It's a lot going on, right? Like we got Sharif on this show that talks about black educators and teachers. Well, we're talking about a place where it's a lot of black educators, right? And black kids might not be getting what they steal what they deserve, and people don't like to call that out. So, you know, from your perspective, uh, candidate Allen, um, you know, inform us, good brother. How's it going there for, for people that look like us? Well, you know, here's what we talk about traditionally on Atlanta, and we focus specifically on educational and economic equity. Because when we look at the economic disparities within our community, it's all connected to education. And I want to go back a little bit to the power of accountability. I was a teacher when the cheating scandal hit. Mm. And what accountability changed from was the board doing its job to hold a superintendent accountable. And now we're holding the children accountable. And it's the student's fault. And it's the teacher's fault because they're not doing enough. And so I'm very passionate about accountability because from someone in Atlanta who saw how it ravished our school system, accountability is what was lacked. We didn't hold the superintendent and the board accountable to the money that they were supposed to handle, which, again, the cheating scandal mismanaged money. It took away resources that were needed in our classrooms, in our school buildings for wraparound services for our students. And so this isn't just how are the children doing academically? How are the children doing overall? And so right now with Atlanta being a growing area that is becoming one of the most inequitable cities in this nation for black and brown people, there is an economic but also an educational gap. And there's an educational gap because, as I frequently say on Atlanta, poverty makes money. And we were just talking about this tonight. Well, what is happening specifically with black and brown people? Everyone is trying to get that student face on their poster to talk about equity. And the caveat is, is that all of the organizations talking about equity for education in Atlanta aren't talking about equity for the children in public schools. And that's where the biggest discrepancies lie. So I'll end on this. The Atlanta Water Boys was used as a narrative to pinpoint crime on young people in this city, (laughs) to ramp up more dollars to go out of wraparound services to police officers. But when we really looked at the reality of it, it actually was young black girls that started selling headbands and bracelets on corners because from the high school I graduated at, they weren't able to get cheerleading uniforms or the SGA jacket so that now that we're actually starting to go back to -to face-to-face learning and get back to, you know, being in the field to get connected with businesses and experiences, they don't have the resources. And so we have young people out here selling goods, not just to help take care of their families, but to make sure that they get what they need in school. 
And so that's what equity actually is looking like here in Atlanta is filling in those economic, but also education, educational, excuse me, gaps that a lot of our students are facing. And again, how are we spending the money on programs that are helping them become literate and not just, oh, they're illiterate. They don't know how to read literacy in areas where they don't even have the foundational skills to be successful, to compete in the global market. And so that's my mindset around helping us start to be accountable for the dollars that should be going to schools and students that it's not. Mm-hmm. All right. So a couple, couple of different take- takeaways, right. Uh, from what you guys just said, um, Daniel, I appreciate, uh, you know, you being able to kind of, look at the data from a, a qualitative perspective in terms of like knowing that black and brown uh, students are, are underperforming with regards to a comparison to their white peers. Uh, Jay, man, my heart goes out to you because like, and it's just, it's, it's, it's tough. It's, it's tough. And, and like many of these, uh, these black areas, man, like democratic or what, I'm not going to get on my soapbox, but then also I want to say we're going to give you a free pass. Because I know, you know, we will come after teachers on this show, rightfully so. But I know that you guys are running for school board and teachers votes mad. So we're going to give you a pass tonight. <laughs> so then my next question. <laughs> nah, there ain't no my passes. Ain't no damn passes. They need a pass. My next question is, uh, it, it, uh, we'll start with Jason. All right. So we've identified that there's some gaps uh, for, for, for black students. So as a, as a, as a, a candidate, if you're elected, how are you going to change the narrative for black students? You know, we have to change the narrative for students. And I, I, I'm going to say it in that sense, because we're failing students across the gamut. <laughs> I mean, I'm a special education teacher. And so even looking at the disparities that are happening with us not even having the workforce. I was looking at one of the comments from Sherry and she mentioned that the kids are illiterate because the teachers aren't teaching them. And I would beg to differ. We won in the state of Georgia no longer have reading teachers. The last four years when persons such as myself and my students and fellow colleagues were at the state advocating for this position. There were no board members in the city of Atlanta who knew how important and intricate early learning and literacy is in order for our students and our families to do well. And there was no advocacy there. And so now we don't have that support or that resource. And we're seeing that in the way that our children are performing in our schools. And so I would definitely say, what are Black students saying that they want in particular? They want better access to workforce development. They don't want to just simply get to 11th grade and it's like, okay, it's time to start getting ready for colleges and careers. They want to be exposed to things earlier. And they want to be able to have that access to different careers that are not just going to force them to have to go work at a McDonald's or Walmart or Amazon. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. But the programs are geared to only that. And our children can be more than entertainers and blue collar workers. They want to do other things. And so that access, that equity is not just, okay. let us create a policy that says we're going to make equitable college and career readiness pathways, because again, those goals should be centered around school improvement. And quite frankly, when the board doesn't know the work of school improvement, then we're gonna continue to waste money 
on million dollar programs for ACT and SAT and we have a literacy issue and we haven't spent that money on programming and professional development to help our teachers actually teach a program that's going to change student improvement. So we have to go back to asking the question, what are we hiring a superintendent to do when we already knew we're recovering from a cheating scandal that led us to have some of the lowest literacy rates in the nation? Where are we spending our dollars at and what are the quality programs and how are we preparing our school teachers to really lift this for our families and our students? That's what's up, bro. Um, th- thanks for uh, thanks for uh, your intentionality in terms of uh, addressing that question. After, after, uh, Daniel, Daniel, after Daniel goes, can I have a can I ask a follow up question after Daniel goes? Yeah, one hundred percent. So, Daniel, uh, what 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 are you going to do to change the narrative for uh, historically disenfranchised uh, in your district that you're running for? I mean, I, I just want to first say, you know, I've been running for almost nine weeks. And we're a month out. And y'all, the first person that has asked that question, the first of anywhere I've been, I've been in forums, I've been knocking on doors, I've been meeting with other candidates, and nobody has asked the question of what needs to be done to meet the needs of those students who have been least well served. So I so so first of all, that's a problem. Like we have people running for school board all over this country. And we're, we're fighting about whether or not we should have masks in school and, and whether or not we should be teaching CRT. People don't even know what that means. And nobody is actually asking, uh, what are we going to do to actually meet the needs? So that's the first thing I'm going to say. Um, the second is, yeah, I mean, as I said before, number one, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to name the gaps. I mean, we, like, people don't want to talk about it, but I'm going to talk about it. Um, we, we do have achievement gaps and those are those, those come about because of opportunity gaps. Number two, um, from the day again on the board, I'm going to give voice to those families that have not had one historically. And, and I've got a, you know, I've got a track record of that, you know, working over, as Chris said, working over at the Capitol, uh, the, the Capitol, uh, St. Paul, um, just empowering families to tell their story, not telling them what to say, not telling them how to say it. Just saying that, like, I work for you. If I'm elected to the school board, I work for the families of the Wyzetta School District. So you, you, you are supposed to come to school board meetings and tell me what I'm supposed to do because I work for you. And that goes for anybody, you know, across the country. Your school board members work for you. You pay their sal- you, you pay their little stipend. You elect them. The expectation is that they're supposed to listen to you. Okay. And then the third thing, um, you know, and, I, and I'm so glad Jason mentioned this is just like, um, you know, after naming the gaps and after talking about that, I do. I, I just think we, we have got to shift to an asset based mindset. Our, our students bring so much to the school um, uh, and and we've got to identify, you know, what those things are. And, and they they bring um, they bring a deep knowledge. Um, they, they bring a, a, a deep passion for the future. They bring an excitement about what the future will hold for them and about their potential. And we've got to unlock that. And, you know, so my goal will be working in particular, I will just say in the middle and high school where our, where our students of color get beat down the most, uh, we'll be unlocking that potential and giving them those opportunities to live up to what we know they can be. Mm. That's what's up. Uh, so we get to Charles. Charles has a follow-up question. Yeah, well, one, uh, you know, I, 
I'm rooting for both of you. And I would, like I said, I, I think I said this before I was stumped for y'all. I would do whatever I can to be supportive. Um, you both talked about this. So I, I can aim this both ways. I am as somebody who's worked in this space and worked with a lot of school board members, uh, I, I've seen that they oftentimes don't have a clear set of goals and strategies. Uh, right. And, and what I've seen is that um, they go in and they don't know they overestimate the power that they have. So one of the things you mentioned, Jason, which I agree with and I push on a little bit is about poverty. As a board member, you're not going to be able to solve poverty in their tenure at school, right? And what and the, and, the re, and what I hear from board members that we push is say, well, kids are in poverty and they can't learn. And I don't think that that's acceptable because I think when you live in poverty, that's when education becomes even that much more important, right? So if I asked you all very quickly, like, a set of three goals and strategies to get to those goals within the parameters of what you can actually do as a school board member in the time period that you have, what would you all like say about that? And I know that's a, that's a meaty question. And, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm just really curious because I deal with a very, very volatile school board now. And every time you push them, it's poverty, poverty, poverty. Mm-hmm. Jason, you want me to jump in? I, I was about to say I didn't know who they wanted to go first, but yeah, you oh, no, I'm sorry. I, 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 I was ready to rumble. Oh, go ahead, Daniel. Okay. I, I and I'm gonna steal one from Jason, to be honest. Um, accountability for standards aligned assessments. Just, like we, we are accountable for whether or not our kids are meeting standards. But what and and, and, I, and keep going, but what does that mean though, right? Accountability is just this big word. What does that actually mean from the powers this the seat that you're going to sit in i mean name i mean I'm, what i'm saying charles is we for the last decade in this district our students of color have not succeeded and all we do is we highlight the students that have and we sweep the rest of the numbers under the rug so number one i'm just saying like when i'm at a school where we're going to name the fact that there are certain student subgroups that are not meeting ex- that are not meeting standards and we're going to call it out number two we, and I talked about this before, but like from day one, there is no excuse for not having science based literacy instruction. Mm, okay. like this is not I mean, this is settled. This is like 25 years ago. We knew that balanced literacy, whole language, cueing, telling kids to look at a picture and try to figure out what the word is. We've known for 25 years. That's not how you teach kids to learn how to read. And yet we're still doing that in our district. And then number three, um, and, and, and this is a, this is building on what I just said, and, and he's not going to be happy if he ever hears me say this, but I'm going to make our superintendent feel uncomfortable. He's been there for 14 years, which in, uh, which in, um, you know, superintendent years is like, that's like dog years. That's you Methuselah, know? baby. He's Methuselah. <laughs> I was about to say. Um, <laughs> and, like uh, he's Moses. Moses. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and just like I, if I'm elected, I work for the people that elected me. My number one job is a superintendent works for me. And, and we're not, we're not going to give him a pass. Like he's a, he's a likable guy. He's very liked and respected in the district. And I, I actually like him, but it doesn't mean you get, it doesn't mean you get a pass on everything. And so that's from day one, it's going to be, uh, I'm going to be in his ear. I'm going to be, do- I'm going to be dogging him to make sure that, you know, that our kids get what they need. So th- those are three things, uh, accountability, um, science-based literacy and make our super feel um, uncomfortable. 
Yeah, that's dope. But real quick, before we get to Jason, I just want to clarify uh, clarify one point. The superintendent doesn't work for you per se. He works for the board. And so when you go into it, you got to think with the mindset of you have one collective vote and you have to be able to sway people to kind of go in the direction that you want them to go in. Um, but you're, you're one vote. And so you have to use that charisma and, and your knowledge of different uh, things in, in order to put or to help a lay board board member that may not know anything. Uh, you have to now inform them to the point to where they're willing to go and take your direction. And I, I know that from dealing with my board. Jason, to you, sir. All right. So um my first time running for office, not my first time running a board. So I actually have ran a charter network of schools where I've had to open schools, I've had to close schools. And a lot of the work is centered around policy, but it's also risk management. Now here are the things that we don't talk about that school boards are responsible for. When we speak, when we speak of risk management, it is the infrastructure of our buildings. And so when I go to the community and I'm talking with my students and my parents and even teachers, the number one concern is the overcrowding of schools. I've been talking about that on Atlanta since the pandemic hit. How are we actually going to go back to schools for face-to-face learning when we have an issue of overcrowded buildings? In Atlanta specifically, starting with accountability, the accountability of the management of our property of the board. As a board member, I would want to be able to help us move in a direction where we are innovatively thinking about smaller learning pods. We have seen that this works for students, but we have not invested in that. And so one of the things that Atlanta has done, the board has siphoned off schools to charter networks and partner school networks where they now don't have the authority to actually control what the classroom size, what the curriculum and how the funding in those schools is being spent. However, they still have a responsibility to the management of those facilities. And so for me, accountability means several different things, but when it comes back to the board, it connects to the budget, it connects to the board's ability to be able to hold a superintendent accountable to improve schools. At the end of the day, based on the Atlanta Public Schools Charter, the main responsibility of the board is to ensure that schools are improving. And the first way to improve schools is to make sure that you're intentionally budgeting for things that are going to impact student success and student learning. And so second area would be literacy. I I said this example earlier, this board, this current board of incumbents have voted to spend at least $2 million on SAT, ACT prep curriculum, right? But here's the reality. When we know that 56% of our students are not on grade level, why are we spending this amount of money on a program where one, we don't have the workforce to teach it, and two, we still haven't done anything to address the immediate literacy gaps of our children. The board has allowed the superintendent to say, this is the curriculum that I want to adopt without looking at the data. And we don't have enough school board members that understand how data also influences policy. Um, Third level, again, workforce development. We have students that are saying we're not getting the access and experiences. I want to be able to, to present what I'm doing right now with Atlanta. The students are learning how to work in the background. When we talk about Tyler Perry and his studio, there are jobs starting at $80,000 doing what I am helping 
right? So you think about what Josh is doing right now in the background. This is what we are working with our students to learn how to do. This is something free that the school board can be offering to our students to improve communication. We have stakeholders saying that they don't know what's happening. They don't know how the money is being spent. And the common excuse is we don't have the bandwidth. But we have thousands of students saying that they want workforce opportunities. Why are we not creating internships? Why are we not creating apprenticeships where we can be getting them the things that they need? And so this is the work of the board. The board has a responsibility to advocate. The board also has a responsibility to make sure that the tax dollars that we are governing as a board are going to the actual things that are going to improve schools. I will end on this. The board's responsibility for the city of Atlanta, based on our charter, is to improve the educational experiences for the students in public schools. And that starts with making sure that, first of all, the board even knows their power and being able to do that. Hmm. That's what's up. So, Chris, before we, before I throw it to you, man, I want to um, I want to I want to do something real quick. Right. And so both of you guys have highlighted the fact that uh, you're going to put some heat and you want to make uh, the superintendent's building uncomfortable. And so and so as I said, as I said, I'm going to say this soon. And like the next superintendent's building up in public, that whole public space is joined. This joint. Is it me or are you getting some feedback? There's a lot of feedback. Just hold on okay, a second, yeah. Ray. You got to say that again I, so I can edit this part. Can you do that part again real quick, Ray? Yeah. Somebody, I don't know. It might be you, Reef. I don't know. You're the last one that came, but. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Now you sound better. Yeah. Okay. Better. Just, just okay. do that whole right. piece and then I'll, I'll edit that. Yeah. Part. No worries. No worries. No worries. So, 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 and sorry for this in the audience, but bear with me here. Right. And so, uh, Jason and, and, and Daniel, you guys, uh, have both been plugging the fact that you want to make your superintendents feel extremely uncomfortable from day one. Right. And so you have me, I'm a sitting soup and you have the next superintendent of Philadelphia public schools that has just joined us. Right. And so I want to give give the shout out to Reef. Big Reef, how you doing, baby? You out of pocket, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I ain't hardly nobody superintendent, but good to see y'all. Congratulations, Jason and Daniel. Rooting for y'all. Listen, um, I, you know, it was just great hearing, you know, the things that you are saying about accountability and support and listening to students and families. So hopefully, uh, hopefully y'all can pull it through. And, you know, we got a little track record. Folks who come on here, they, you know, things seem to happen. So, you know, may that continue. I'm just going to say hi, Sharif. It's so good to see you. It's so good to see you. Yes, Brother Sharif, it's good to see you, man. Same here. Thanks for coming. Sharif brings that energy, man. Sharif brings that, like, you know, even if you've been pissed off about something or whatever, right? You see Reef and you're like, man, it ain't even that serious. Reef here. (laughs) Thanks, Reef, man. Thanks for bringing that energy. But I'm going to kick it to Chris. Chris, set, set it up. You're on mute. Yeah. Now, see, I didn't mute myself as the producer back there muting everybody. Uh, just it's like a mute fest. Um, I was saying that I want to push back on you just a little bit, Ray, what you said earlier about the superintendent doesn't work for one individual school board member. It is true that uh, collectively 
the board is supposed to speak with one voice and that they have one employee, which is the superintendent. So you're not supposed to get messy and micromanage and get involved in every little thing. And some school board members have a problem with understanding that the board is supposed to speak with one voice to their one uh, employee. However, however, I was an activist board member in this one way, especially if you are elected by districts. There are ways in which your fellow board members can try and marginalize you on the board so that you don't have the voice you're supposed to have. And when they do that, they are marginalizing the constituents that you work for who elected you. So it could be possible that you're in a city or a part of town or have a population that you represent and your colleagues are attempting to marginalize you on the board that you're on. And that's not you that they're more marginalizing. It's your constituents who elected you to be their representative on the board and fight their good fight. You will find this, especially in suburban boards where you have mostly white board members and you have that one lone or two person of color or person of color interested board member who knows that they are there because they are their constituency are the people who are being left behind and they will not allow themselves to be marginalized. And yes, the superintendent does need to work for them too. And the way that I did that a lot was as a sitting board member, you can always make problems for the superintendent. So they can try and marginalize you if they want to. But they need to know that you have access to all of the information in the district and any uh, news reporter or journalist worth their salt will come running when you say, I want to talk to you. (laughs) So what some superintendents, when they're smart, will learn is, yes, the board is collectively one board, but one board member can cause them a lot of trouble. So they should not try to marginalize any one person or board member. Now that leads me into what I want to kick it off to Daniel and to, to Jason about is the number one way to get marginalized on a board is to truly, truly, truly try and hold the system accountable for equity and doing right by kids. That is the easiest way for all the bargaining units to become a stumbling block for you, for all of the, the superintendents uh, uh, own personal interest or programs to become a problem for you, whatnot. Uh, and even for some parents that are privileged and getting a good deal in their little islands of privilege, and you might want to be trying to change boundaries or change what kids could get or move money to the kids that need it most. How are you guys going to stand? There's, there's a quote in here, Ray, put from uh, Mike Tyson that everybody has a plan until you get punched in the face. What y'all going to do when you get punched in the face over equity? Because it's going to happen. If you're really serious, if you're about that life, the day is going to come where you're going to wake up one day and you're going to have been punched in the face. What are you going to do? Well, I'll say I'm going to do what I've been doing. I've been punched in the face <laughs> in this work. <laughs> so this won't be the first time. I was punched in the face when the state of Georgia refused to change the racism in their teaching prep program. And I said, well, not on my watch because we already have a shortage of male educators of color in this state, and there is a barrier here. And so I've never been afraid to call out things as they are. I'm gonna call a spade as a spade. Now, and also in saying that, I understand the importance of coalition building. That's what I'm training my students in the Atlanta Student Coalition to do now, because everyone is not gonna think the same. Everyone is not gonna have the same perspective in talking with the various parents and community organizations here in Atlanta, every cluster of schools needs, but they also want something different. And so you have to be able to 
balance that. I learned a lot from Dr. Karen Mapp when Atlanta Public Schools sent me there to study family and community engagement. And one of the things that we definitely do wrong is the lack of investment in making sure that we are actually being transparent with our constituents and deliberately causing chaos or creating allies and partnerships. And Atlanta has not done that well in the eight years after we have still struggled with trying to make that connection with our communities. And we all know this, that schools do better when families and communities are connected to the program and the work. But see, that has to be a goal of the superintendent. And the board's goal should be to hire someone that has the capacity or that is gonna have the resources to do that. And so the biggest question is, are we putting in people who are going to either make sure that we're driving school improvement or are we driving an agenda that's not going to be, again, profitable for black and brown children who are disenfranchised in a lot of our schools? All right. So you already been punched in the face. Daniel, <laughs> how are you going to deal with the bob and weave? Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, one, one thing I'll just say is. Um, right. You, you, you were saying earlier how, how board members only have one vote. And I think that, I mean, that's true. Yes. But you got to understand in Minnesota, like this is the land of the passive aggressive. So like anybody voting a contrarian makes everybody feel uncomfortable. Um, and so, you know, first of all, like I'm not, I'm, I'm tired of making people feel comfortable. Um, and if I have to be the voice, like, like when everybody's voting yes on something, if I have to be the one that says like, hold up, we're going to talk about this. And everybody looks at me like, why do you have to be that guy? I'm happy to be that guy. And like, if, if, if there's any day for me to say that it's after what's happened in the last couple of days, um, like there, there's nothing for me to lose. Nothing's promised. And I'm not going to, I don't have time to waste being passive and just letting things slide through. So that's the first thing. Um, the second thing, um, and I said this before, but like, I'm not like, this is, I'm not running for anything else. So I'm not, I'm not hopping on the board to, to and then trying to like maintain a certain reputation about who I am. Like I said before, like, I believe every kid can achieve when they're given the opportunity that comes from my own experience as a teacher in the classroom that comes from my own time, like watching other amazing teachers. And like, if every kid can achieve, there's no reason why they shouldn't be. I've been attacked. I've been attacked by, um, by the union. I've been attacked um, personally, physically on Twitter in every different forum. And I'm not afraid to like, yes, uh, yes, it does affect me. I, I would be lying if I said it didn't affect me, but I'm not afraid to speak my mind and stand up mostly because I know what is possible should be possible for all kids. And if I only have four years, if I'm lucky enough to get elected, I'm not going to be counting on another four years. I'm going to get done what I need to get done. I'm going to stand up where I need to stand up and I'm not going to be looking for like the next, the next election of the next four years. You on mute, bro. I mean, I kind of like it, but you on mute. That's what I'm, I'm going to name the episode. The ideal version is going to be, you are muted. 
<laughs> and, you, you, and you get a mute. <laughs> Everybody, right? You still, you, you still. I'm, mute. I'm, 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 I'm acting like I'm acting like I don't have control to, to be able to unmute myself and whatnot because you know the the the, the base junior in the background he does passive aggressive shit too. So. <laughs> Um, <laughs> let, uh, uh, I just call that like effective. Uh, it's effective. Reef. What's up, man? <laughs> Reef. Hey. No, I think. I mean, I think Are they both brought up. I think they both brought up good, you know, great points as far as you know, uh, not not being afraid, pushing through. I really like that idea. Like, I'm not, I'm not, it's not a political step for me where I'm going to jump into a, you know, uh, some other position or anything like that. You mm-hmm. know, um, I think that is really telling. And I was, I would encourage both of you, and I know you do this, but, you know, be able to tap into, you know, your, your constituents, community, like having those folks who will tell you the truth no matter what. Cause you could be steadfast on the board and, and be wrong about something. Right. And you need someone mm-hmm. to be able to help cut through the noise and be able to tell you direct, like somebody that you trust to be able to say like, you know what, this person is going to give it to me real raw and, and unfiltered because everybody else is going to be agendas and, and, you know, noise and all kind of stuff. And sometimes you just need help cutting through mm-hmm. and say like, this is what I'm thinking, and they can point out all the holes. And I think that that goes to any position of, of leadership, uh, but particular in 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 a space like that where you're responsible for just so many people. So, you know, if I could wish you uh, two things, it would be courage and wisdom. You know, uh, wisdom to know when to when to listen, mm-hmm. when to say, I don't care what they say, I'm I'm pushing forward. You know, um, and then just the courage to to one face yourself. Um, and then face the fire that is surely bound to happen, right? So, uh, good stuff. No, I think we got to the end of this show. We're getting to the end here, but I want to say we didn't tackle like one thing in this that is sets the scene for all of this to me, which is the American school board is powerful but stupid. The average American school board is a manufacturer of inequities of the the American public education system, period, is a master plan of inequity that is rigged from top to bottom with the rules and the boundaries and the way that people achieve power within the system and the contracts and the business that goes on. It is rigged from top to bottom against the so that so the outcomes that we're getting, we have to stop pretending, oh, my God, like we're going to do something about the outcomes like like they're new or rare or they're not by design. And the people who come in to undesign it and to unrig it are few and far in between. And these are big, stupid, moronic bodies of people. And and I do want to say this. They're not usually representative of the kids in the districts. If you go look up the average school board member in the United States, the average school board member is whiter, more male and more Republican than the kids in their school district. That is overall. And I can back that up with data and with facts across the country. So there's not even a vested interest in unrigging the system. And add to it that right now we are about to go into a season where these school boards already moronic and stupid 
and big and filled with people who have no damn business making any decision for children because they have one cognitive ailment or another, have no business even being there. The need for smart and aggressive and equity focused people couldn't be stronger, but it's happening at a point in time where these school boards are about to be overrun with a, a million moron movement from the outside that is going to come and shout them down on equity things. It's going to start with masks and all that stuff, but then it's going to be the curriculum and firing teachers and getting rid of things that kids need uh, to learn. And are, the, are we going to have strong people in those positions? Are we going to have strong people? People with a backbone and a spine and a brain and an intellect and an understanding, a world fund of information about history. Are we going to have that? Are we going to have the same laggard, lackluster, half like brained people that have been on these boards for time immemorial who are making all these decisions about teaching, learning, curriculum, instruction, budgets, finance? Keep going down the list, right? We couldn't have a worse place to put the country's morons, but they're overstocked with it. This has been a message from Chris Stewart. Thank you very much. Um, so first off, first off, real quick, weekly disavow. Don't um, do this. Don't do this. Well, you do this I, every week. You do this every week. Disavow everything that Chris just said. That's Christopher Stewart speaking for Christopher Stewart. Um, but uh, you know, joke, joke, jokes aside, um, let's go into closing thoughts. Use my government uh, name too. Oh, I'm sorry. Now go ahead, bro. Go ahead, I was just saying you use my government name, but go ahead. That's my final thought. So let everybody else wrap theirs. My bad. Um, so Raymond Ancrum here. Um, we'll, we'll go into we'll go into closing thoughts. Uh, and so the way I want to set this closing thought up is, um, I want you guys like you know if if I, if I am a lay person, I don't know anything, and you want my vote, like, and this is last second. You guys uh, pretty much know who's voting for who, but you're trying to get the independent voters, the pro people that or being polled that have not uh, committed to one side. How are you convincing me to vote for you? That's the setup. Uh, Jace, you can go first. All right, so I guess in my 30 seconds, <laughs> um, I would definitely say that Chris' last words were the most powerful. We know that, you know, if we look through history, the systems have never been designed for us to succeed. That doesn't mean that there's not possibility to dismantle them. And we have made dismantling um, and advocacy and activating change a bad thing, which it's not. And so valuing the voice of constituents. I've been a 17 year educator um, doing this work. One of the things that we will find with school boards for public school districts that are getting it right, I would say maybe at least 60% of the time they are making some, some change and moving the needle. They're focusing on school improvement. And as an educator, I can tell you that a lot of the work missing in our schools, how we're budgeting, how we're planning, how we're being strategic about what is going to impact and empower our students is lacking school improvement. <laughs> and we're not going to move the needle until we actually start doing the work of improving schools. And so that's what I'm running to do, to be able to bring that educator's voice to a board of people that can actually sit down, plan accordingly to how our city is growing and the dynamic needs of our students and 
first and foremost, making sure that we're putting the resources where they actually should be going, which are our schools and not sitting down in central offices being wasted away. So that's what I would say to close out. That's what's up, Daniel, on you. I mean, I agree. There's nothing Chris said that I don't agree with. I mean, I'll go back to what I said at the beginning. This is not equity. Participation awards, no Fs. Everybody gets the same thing. You all are clowning on what equity is. And and, and talking about CRT and masking, which I, I'm telling you, every door I knock on right now, they just want to know where I am on CRT and where I am on masking, regardless of what their political party is. I am here for common sense, not nonsense. I'm nonpartisan. I'm a moderate. I'm an independent. I'm focused on kids. I'm focused on outcomes. I'm focused on justice. If you all want to spend your time worrying about which ideological litmus test I don't meet because I don't like the unions or because I believe that we should talk about pronouns at some point or because I, you know, like you, you can, you can go on both sides. I don't, I don't meet the litmus test for the Republicans, I don't meet the litmus test for the for the um, conservatives. I, I I like charter schools, and I also believe that certain kids need equity. They need different things than other kids. So if you're going to be on one ideological end of the spectrum or not, I'm not your guy. If what you want is somebody who's going to stand up every day and do what's best for the students and families of the district, I I'm going to ask for your vote, and that's it. That's what's up, bro. And so we'll go into closing thoughts from uh, we'll start with uh, Reef and then we'll go to Charles. Yo, shout out to the independents, yo. I mean, that's, uh, you know, that's the main thing. Shout out to shout out to that. <laughs> you know what I mean, don't, don't fall for none of that. That lip, That's right. Fail all those litmus tests unless it's about equity and justice, because, you know, both both of those groups are, are like, you know, a lot of a lot of nuts. One is far more nuts. Ray's group is like like they're they're. On some other stuff, they're not even. You can't even use the the term crazy anymore because it's, it's not strong enough. <laughs> but um, listen, I, th- I think you know, and, and this is to uh, you know some of what Chris said. Like, I, I just don't know of a a system across this country that can, uh, you know, say that they own the banner for justice for for students. You know, um, and that's unfortunate. A country this wealthy. Um, this, you know, uh, powerful, this, whatever, whatever attribute you want to ascribe to it. Like we don't see districts that, that do it. We see a lot of schools, individual schools that can say, can say things like that, but we don't see districts as a whole. And I think school board members, um, many of them are just totally unaware of what it takes. And I, and I just pray that you all are able to not just be there as this lone voice, you know, uh, but I hope that you're able to build with others and get other people um, to run for it. You know, Chris has been I don't know if he was whispering in your ear the past couple of years, you know, because he's been trying to get folks to run for boards. And, and I see more and more folks uh, doing it. Uh, and and that's a that's that's necessary. And I just I just wish you Godspeed and, and strength. And, you know, may you win or may you keep winning um, on behalf of children, because, man, it's uh you know, it's not going to be easy, but, you know, knock if you buck, you know, and you let us know if, if, if things are really out of hand, you know, we'll do what we can. <laughs> Charles, swinging it to you. Uh, just want to say thank you to both Jason and Daniel for being here and, and uh, you know, engaging with us and cutting your teeth over here and, and, and having some, you know, some some dialogue. Um, my final thought, you know, 
as it relates to school board, and I'll finish with the last little piece on Dirk, as it relates to school board, you know, I, I've just dealt with a lot of like folks in that space. And, and, and there's a lot of like big promises that folks make. And this isn't about Jason or this isn't about our candidates that's on here now, but it did inform my questions, those experiences. And that's why I was so keen on like, what's the strategy to get there? Like, what are the goals that are there? Um, Because young people are in the, are in the, <laughs> they're the ones that's kind of waiting on that piece. You know what I mean? And they're, and, and, you know, a lot of times people run out of time, you know what I mean? Or, um, and I think the other lesson that a lot of people get is, and we were talking about this on Friday, but you know, districts are a real big economic system. It's not just about, it, it's the, the priority in mom head is students, but it's also a huge economic like system. You know what I mean? In many places, it's the one of the biggest food uh, uh, providers. It's one of the biggest transportation providers. It's one of the biggest lawn care providers, right? And there's so many politics that's swooped into that. And people care at the end of the day, a lot of people care more about their paychecks uh, and economic stability than that, than the education of other people's kids. So um, that's why I was just really on that, that, that strategy piece. So good luck to the both of you and let me know how I can be helpful. Uh, and don't forget to drop your links. Uh, Cause I know y'all need donations and stuff. Um, and then just finally, just, um, you know, to just my friend, um, you can put me back with everybody else. This will be quick. Um, you know, uh, rest well. And um, Dirk and I did talk about certain certain things. And if it were the other way, and Jamoke knows this too, it's like, yo, if something was to happen to me, like Jamoke knows, like, yo, do take it out in the work, like take it out in the results and finish the job that we started. You know, no more moral victories. Um, and 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 I would that even works with this group <laughs> of, of of school board folks, right? I don't want no more moral victories for black people and brown people or, or, or the kids that we say we care about. I want actual tangible wins that help them and that will change their life. Uh, so none of this stuff will be in vain. So, um, you know, and I appreciate y'all. Yeah. So, you know, I, my closing thought, real, real simple. Um, I just want to thank our, our guests for coming on, Jason. You know, I, I really appreciate you coming on, Daniel, same as well. Um, you guys got to commit when you win because you came on the hands and you know we at that you know 100% rate in terms of like you come on here uh, you're gonna win right so when you win just come back and, and shout us out and kick it with us to let us know what kind of progress you're making in terms of uh, the questions that we were asking um, but other than that you guys have been listening to episode 135 of the 8 Black Hands podcast we will uh, see you next week you have been listening to the Eight Black Hands podcast with Ankrum, Cole, El Mecky, and Stewart. If you like what you heard, follow us on Twitter. Our handle is at Eight Black Hands One. Thank you for listening.